0: Total existence. I'll tell you, there's nothing like. Uh, well, it's all a matter of style, of course. It's all a matter of of attitude. It's, uh, it's a matter of being able to appreciate the uh, <laughs> finer things of life. Bring it up, large, George. Uh, oh, listen. Talk about style. I'll tell you. You want to hear? You want to hear an example of real style? I mean, real style you, listen, millionaire bachelor Franklin L. Bauer was looking for something a bit different for his friends for Christmas. You know, this guy's already been doing his Christmas shopping, and that in itself is is style. I do my Christmas shopping roughly, uh, 10.30 p.m. December 24th. <laughs> and that's, uh, you know, eight quick minutes, frantic minutes, but, uh, that that's, uh, you know, because you never can actually believe that the the time does go like that. You know, did you see the Great New Yorker cartoon a couple of weeks ago? Shows these two guys walking down the street, and uh, they just you know walk down the street, and you see this wreath, big Christmas wreath that's hanging on a on a lamp there, and one guy is looking up at, and he says, "You know, it's amazing. You you, you just wouldn't believe that it's October already." <laughs> well, you know. A uh, millionaire bachelor, and now if you think, man, if you think you've made the grand gesture, do you want to hear an unbelievable gesture, a fantastic gesture, listen to this one. Millionaire bachelor Franklin L. Bauer was looking for something a bit different for his friends for Christmas when he happened to hop into a London taxi. See, he's in London when he's thinking about this. Bauer from Jacksonville, Florida, was so crazy about the London cab that he said, and we quote, I'll take them. He bought 60 of them to give to friends. 60 London cabs to give to friends. The 60 cabs should arrive at Port Everglades sometime late in November. That's in Florida. This guy lives down in Florida. In plenty of time for gift wrapping and distribution. 60 London cabs. Do you know what a London cab costs? To begin with, now, I think that's a gesture. Can you imagine, them getting a, a cab <laughs> for Christmas, you know? I think that, that that is really style, man. Of course, that's also why they're rioting in the streets. <laughs> I mean, that, that reminds me a little bit of the French court, just about the time, you know, when the French court was really living it up, uh, j- you know, just before the roof fell in. You know they were oh they were doing stuff like that oh sure they were sending all they were sending guys all the way to India to bring back three sprigs of clove four hundred dollars a sprig to give their local chick so uh, <laughs> hey wouldn't you like to get in a plane once you know and you're sitting in the back you got this water pistol and uh, the time comes you know the plane takes off and you get up and you walk very casually to the front of the plane, and you get this, this steward to see, and you stick the water pistol in her gut, and you say, all right, baby, take me up in the front office. And she takes you up there, and these guys are driving this giant 707. they, they look around with a scared look in her eye. They're going to have this uh, unscheduled uh, visit to uh, Havana Airport. And you got your gun out, and you say, all right, take me to Trenton now. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's a bad scene. I should, shouldn't work. By the way, speaking of bad scenes, now uh, we have with us tonight in the control room... Wait a minute. I'll fix these gains here so they work. All right. We have with us tonight in the control room, we have uh, Lee here, who is our producer. And wait, you listen carefully now. I'm bowing to fantastic public uh, demand. And uh, I received four or five letters when that's fantastic public demand here at WR you know one week WR got six letters I mean a whole of WR not just me the whole you know the whole station and five of them were mad so uh, <laughs> nevertheless I'm bowing to fantastic public demand and uh, the public demand was this uh, one kid wrote and he said uh, dear Shep, he says I have been haunted I've been haunted for a long time by the sound that sticks with me. He says, I want to hear it again. He said, unfortunately, I didn't have my tape recorder. I recorded it, and I listened to it all the time. He said, I've been haunted by the sound that your producer made one time when you asked her to whine on the radio. He said it was beautiful. He said he thought his kid brother was a great whiner. And uh, he says he never heard such great whining in his life. You, you see, I, I, think, I think that we don't appreciate the kvetch as a, an art form. Now, you know what is it, a kvetch, huh? Don't you know what that means, George? Don't you know what that word is? You, you, you're, you're a New Yorker, you don't know what a kvetcher is? Oh, that's like coming to me and telling you, you don't know what a bagel is, you know. You mean you don't know what a bagel is? Oh no no no! Stop it, George. You're talking about a uh, no no no. That's a bagpipe. You're describing the bagel is not a musical instrument that is played with pipes sticking out all over. It. No 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 no. No, I'm sorry. Uh, there's a lot of stuff I'm going to talk to you about after the show. But the bagel is not is not played that way. Uh, and I've seen bagels thrown. Oh, yes. I, I, uh, I'll never forget one time I'm down on 7th Street. I used to live on 7th Street in the village down, you know, down off 2nd Avenue. And uh, I'd just come to New York at that time. And I heard a lot of yelling out there one morning. And there were about 19 kids, and they were having a giant bagel fight. And uh, they were throwing stale bagels at each other. And uh, I had never seen... <laughs> I'd never seen a bagel, really, up close at that time. And, uh, you know, they were bouncing off the side of the buildings and hit with a clank. And there is nothing harder than a stale bagel. And, uh, no, I'm serious. I think a stale bagel is going to outlive marble. And, uh, sure, I think think, uh, 20,000 years from now, they'll be digging up bagels. And they will be just about as edible as they are when you, you know, first buy them. The same thing, you know, hard as a rock. In fact, uh, uh, have you ever seen any preserved food from thousands of years ago? That's right. Uh, You know that they keep digging up uh, Greek... uh, these Greek vessels, wine vessels, they keep thinking, and they've got wine in them. Yeah, the stuff goes back to the days of uh, Aristophanes. Well, of course, the wine, uh, they, t- they say, I know a guy that drank some of that one time. In fact, uh, uh, they, they ran a test on that. I'll tell you the truth. This was in, in, uh, when I was in Athens here uh, last spring. Uh, I met a guy who was from the Greek, uh, he was one of the official types there. He was from the tourist department. And uh, we are talking about that, and I says, you know, I'm standing there looking out over the bay, and I said, just think of all the stuff that's on the bottom of that that they still haven't found yet, you know, the Greeks had. And he says, oh, yeah, yeah, very much stuff. You know how the Greeks talk. They talk like that. Like, they, they, they kind of talk like a record play that's being played at the wrong speed, see. So he says, oh, very many things there. And I said, uh, uh, did you ever run into any of that stuff? Oh, yes. And I said, well, what? He says, we know. I said, what? That's uh, Greek for wine. Winos. See, I speak many, many languages. I have one word out of 17,000 different languages. And uh, whenever I'm in this, wherever I am, you see, in this country, I bring that word out. And I, I've learned the technique of saying with an impeccable accent that one word. And so uh, whenever then anybody comes up, they think I can speak that language. You know you know that I speak, uh, well, I can get by in the Bangkok, for example. Oh, yes. I speak a rather esoteric uh, dialect of Malaysian. Two words, and they both have to do with the same thing. Get off my foot, it says, and uh, so I, I say that. You see, with with the, with the proper accent in Bangkok, I said it, and you, you have to say it with a smile on your face, in, implying, of course, that you're you're making a funny. You see, there's there's not enough times when people stand on your feet in Bangkok that it actually applies. So you. Uh, you know, you say it like it's a, it's a funny, like, get off my back. You know, when you say, when you're down at the chock full of nuts, you know, this klutz sits next to you and he starts nudging you on the elbow and he starts telling you about this great horse that's running at Belmont or, you know, he's getting, you know, trying to panhandle or something like that. Have you ever seen the new sitting-down panhandlers? you seen those? That's a new trick, man. If you haven't been to New York recently, the new type of sitting-down panhandler, that's a new gimmick, and uh, be careful. The way it works is this. You go into a restaurant, say, and usually it's the kind, you know, where you all are sitting down at the counter-like, you know, and and some guy sits down next to you, and he orders a hot dog. He says, give me a hot dog, and I'll have hot chocolate and uh, five brownies, and uh, I'll have uh, three, uh, um, let's see, uh, three tuna salad sandwiches to go, and give me half of that pie over there. Well, the next thing you know, this guy's sitting there, he's scoffing away, and, and then he turns to you with this teary eye, and you know, and he says, oh, He's, this is terrible. This is awful. Uh, here I've come down from my office, which is in the uh, most famous uh, brokerage uh, firm in America, and I'm a man who makes a minimum of $250,000 a year. Of course, you can tell that I'm that type. And I have unfortunately been trapped here without any dough. I left my wallet on the desk. Oh, my. Oh. And uh, there you go. What are you going to be? Think number one? So you wind up buying this guy, you know, three tuna salad sandwiches, which he takes to his fellow bums that are laying under the Sherman Williams paint sign over there by the railroad tracks. At the <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I'm, no, I'm, I'm very much, uh, I'm very much, uh, I can't get that guy that gave away those 60 cabs off my mind. 60 cabs, London, because what the hell would you do if you get a London cab given to you? I mean, first of all, they're awful-looking cars. For those of you who know anything about them, terrible-looking automobiles. And uh, I mean, in general, you know. Oh, speaking of in general, we've got a ding dong here for you. Oh, and before I do that, I, I want to go back again to uh, our control room. There, I want to I want to get this out of the way because you know the season of good cheer is coming up. Won't be long—Christmas and Thanksgiving and all that. And uh, would you please whine for us, Lee? I don't think we got the right uh, uh, phone here. It makes that buzz all the time, doesn't it? How come? Why do we have such a thing like that? Press the button mark AUX. All right? You see it there? All right, now pick it up. See if it buzzes. Now, let's hear you. That's not bad. Let's hear it. Oh, is that sickening? I hate to hear a chick whine. For God's sake, get off my back, will you? Now, listen, I've had enough of that talk. Oh, I can't stand it. If I hate whiners. Boy, oh, boy, if I hate whiners. In fact, every time I come in, I'm, you know, I'm really in a hurry. See, here's what... Now, this is the way it goes. Now, watch. See, I'll come into the office and it goes like this. See, I'll come in and I'll say, Hey, Lee, for crying out loud, hurry up. I can hardly wait. I've got to get that letter out right now. And she goes... Oh, Nice little things go up and down my neck. Boy, I'll bet George, is, you don't tolerate whining chicks, do you? <laughs> I'll tell you. Oh, no, I know George doesn't tolerate none of that stuff, man. Hey, listen. Oh, oh uh, all set now? Do you want to hear something, wild? Now, now hold it on there for just a minute now. Hold it on. Now, listen, you see, you live in this pan, you know, and, uh, I mean, everybody in your neighborhood, you know, they got, they got the stones... And uh, every time you go into their joint, you know, they got the Beatles going and the Led Zeppelin and all these guys. And, they're all singing his stuff. And, uh, and, you know, it's very, very totally hip, you know. And the pot smoke and all that stuff. And so one day, uh, you know, uh, Artie says, I'm coming over. I'm coming over to your pad. And so you say, okay, man, come on over to pad. So he comes into the joint scene. You've got all your... You know, everything is going. you got your Kierkegaard laying out there, and you got your 18 copies of uh, FUD, uh, the newest underground uh, uh, paper, you know, which is now in color. See, most of them are just these bad, smudgy little papers, you know. If there's anything I can't stand, it's it's smudgy black-and-white pornography that's published on bad paper. No, no. The new one, of course, comes out. It's 3-D. You put on these little glasses, you know, and you can see it in 3-D, and it's in color and all that stuff. Fantastic! know, this is a true art form, of course. You never admit that what you're reading is pornography. It's a thought-provoking uh, uh, attack on the uh, outmoded, puritanical Victorian mores, right? That's what you're interested in, right, friend? My George, and I like to see a real crusader against all those outmoded mores. It ain't that you're interested in dirty stuff, right? Okay, so now uh, the, the crowd comes in, and... Uh, you casually reach over and you turn on your uh, 17-track stereo record player. See, that's uh, all built into the orange crates. It comes out of the, uh, you know, Freud reinterpreted and all your Philip Roth novels and the pornography and all jazz. And all of a sudden, this fills the room along with the pot smoke. Can you imagine how sick they'd be at this? Listen. All right, you picked the wrong cut, but that's all right. No, it isn't. Let's hear it. And now I'm So he says, my God, what's that? He said, it's a new group. He says, what a wild sound. How did he get that? Holy God, that's fantastic. Do they use one of them moves? You say, oh, listen, Matt. This starts where the Beatles stop and then goes from there. Listen. we very sure, I wouldn't believe it this is an actual female singer oh what a fantastic sound oh my god it's a new group the new sound sweeping the village the andrew sisters no i'm telling you this is gonna <laughs> this makes this makes tiny tim look straight and uh and that ain't easy friends that's enough of that well you don't want to hear any more of the andrew sisters you know once is enough I'll tell you, you, hear that once. I'll tell you, oh, oh, yeah, it'd make your glasses turn green and everything. Listen, wasn't that long enough. It makes your teeth itch. But uh, now, listen, here we go. I'll sit now. I'm getting, uh, getting ready here now. Again. No, don't. Oh, no, 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 honey. I know exactly. We have two more commercials, according to Lee. One more. Good. Well, we'll do that when we get to it, honey. Now, right now, uh, I'm, uh, no, I'm in charge of the program. You're in charge of fetching. Now, in 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 response to innumerable requests which have come in, oh, for crying out loud! No, I don't want to hear that. <laughs> I'm just looking at a news item here. <laughs> uh, hey, uh, no, I was. I, I don't want to talk about that. It's sickening. Do you know that the actress who played Betty Boop? What well, did you know? Do you remember the Betty Boop cartoons that are always on Saturday morning? They're Betty Boop cartoons. You ever seen them? Well, the actress who played the Betty Boop voice is now in a movie with Elliot Gould. Now, how's that for trivia, friends? <laughs> I, 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 this is the kind of stuff that they send me, you know. This is, that's my department of great ideas. However, uh, speaking of great ideas... We had a request. How do I get an Arlene Francis letter inviting her to a pickle tasting contest? What is this? I got all the wrong. Uh, yeah, there it is. Arlene Francis, dear Miss Francis, come to our pickle tasting contest. No wonder Arlene goes around with a funny look on her face a lot of times. Before we uh, get involved in this next great request, though, I must refer now to, again, Lee in the control room here. She is a great... Expert, you know, every one of us gets to be experts on certain things. Now, some of us can't even talk about on the air or anyplace else, really, what we're expert in. It's a good idea not to talk about a lot of stuff. However, uh, her particular expertise happens to be the Arab world. Yeah, that's right. She got fascinated with Arabs when she was reading about uh, She got all involved in uh, Lawrence of Arabia. She really digs this uh, whole scene. And they, uh, you know, knows all about it and everything. Now, would you show George, or at least tell George, in there in the control room, what is the worst insult that you can deliver to uh, an Arab? That's right, boy. You, I'll tell you, you stick your foot out the window of a bus with your tennis shoe on, and he'll flip. He'll flip. Yeah, that's right. And I have a little news item that I want to want to relay to you. And uh, for any of you doctors out there who are listening, we have a large collection of doctors who listen every night, by the way, <laughs> for reasons of their own, which we will not go into. But uh, doctors continually feel beleaguered. And uh, they do. And uh, doctors always, have you noticed that doctors always have a funny look around the eye? That's because they've seen too much. I mean, it's just as well that we don't see as much. As we, you know, as we could say, oh, yeah, they see it all, a doctor, oh, everything. And, uh, and so ultimately, doctors begin secretly deep down inside of them to question what is it all about?" Oh yeah, it's a, it's, it's a very common thing with doctors. And so a lot of them listen every night. I get letters from doctors all over this area because apparently they, they, uh, they identify. They say the shepherd is a kindred spirit. <laughs> he too. He too, does not on total. Buy a lot of jazz that uh, a lot of people seem to be digging. Doctors are hardly ever true believers, unless they're in their dotage. And, uh, yes, c- quite a few people. When There's only two kinds of true believers in this world, little kids and old men. That's right. And for very much of the same reasons. Have you noticed that, that all of a sudden, at the age of 70, a guy will suddenly develop a fantastic... Uh, social conscience. Dr. Spock's a classic example, see? And, uh, and uh, below 15, <laughs> you have the same thing. And for many of the same reasons, because when you're at both ends of the scale of life, you really aren't involved in activity or life anymore. And the, you begin to question a lot of things. What's it all about? There's only two kinds of people who lay on their back and look up at the stars and say, why are we here? What's it all about? And that's 12-year-old boys. And it's almost always boys. Girls hardly ever do that. It's 12-year-old boys and 78-year-old men. <laughs> the guy in between times, he doesn't have enough time to do that, see? He figures that what he's here all about is making the ultimate lunch date. But, uh, that these questions are never asked because you've got so much, you know, action going on in between the two ends of the scale of life. That the action itself is the answer to what it's all about. Like uh, getting your desk straightened out, that can give you a hell of an answer for months. Or uh, getting them tickets paid, <laughs> or uh, or uh, getting your taxes straightened out, or getting rid of your wife, or any uh, one of a thousand things, any millions of little things. To say. Getting your getting your. Uh, your cylinder's re-bored in your car. Oh, listen, I know guys who their entire world revolves around the mechanics of their automobile. They move from crisis to crisis. First, it's getting the brakes realigned. And then the, when that is done, then there's a feeling of, of achievement. See, achievement is important. And they drive up real fast to stoplights and put on the brakes, feel them brakes, man. And then all of a sudden they notice that their oil pressure is beginning to drop. And they go in. The guy says, "Oh boy, you've got no compression at all on your first three cylinders." So what do you mean? For God's sake, it's only a four-cylinder car. That's right. You've got no compression. Well, then that gives you a whole new thing to work on. You, you got to get new rings, and you get the you get the, uh, the cylinders report, you know, and everything else. And you finally wind up with a new piston. And then all of a sudden, your your oil pressure is back up to forty-eight. And you feel oh, groovy. Now another sense of accomplishment. Couple of weeks later, you feel this thing start to pull to the left a little bit. Ah, what's the matter here? What's the matter? And you drive in. He says, oh, "Look at your kingpins are shot, man. I mean, forget it. You got no bearings in the front end. The car is going to pull." Then you got another thing. You, know, you got to get the bearings. And then, of course, eventually it all falls down to Roger. Then you get a new car and start it all over again. See? So that's a sense of uh, uh, you know, it's a sense of always creating. One of the reasons why so many guys are hung on a different girl every week is it gives them a sense of achievement, a sense of challenge and achievement. And uh, after the challenge or achievement has been achieved, suddenly, m- magically, they're not interested anymore. And they keep wondering why. Just like, uh, you know, it's like when, when, when the, you read the ad scene, it says, 1970 cars will make you 40 years younger. They will fix that false spot on the back of your head. The new Youngmobile will go over 722 miles on a gallon of gas, and it will carry you forever in a mile country. It's going to be unbelievable. And you, you know, you get the hunger. you got to go down, And you rush down there. You get into the gigantic bucket seats. You turn on a switch, and they... They uh, let you look at it. You know, notice how they—they're very careful today about giving you a test ride. You don't get test rides anymore. You got to buy it <laughs> the way it is. See, so you walk around because they know once you drive it, a lot of the kick is gone out of it. So you walk around this thing. See, you can hardly wait to get behind a wheel and drive that thing. All you know, all the way up. They've got speedometers now that read 275 miles an hour, which is part of the dream world. See, tachometer—it's got it all. See. So you get into this car
1: they't yeah, have oh, they don't
0: have, uh, they don't have uh, dashboards and that stuff like they used to have in old cars. they have a cockpit. Uh, yes they have a control panel you got try you, know, you go through the, the, the checklist and all that stuff and the lights are flashing and the, you drive this baby out and for the first 12 minutes you're excited as hell. Then magically seven days later the dust the Jersey crud has begin to drift down out of the hood. Somebody's written a four-letter word on the trunk. And a large Airedale has stopped by the left rear hubcap. And he has left his little marquee there. And uh, you got about 94 dings on the front already and 96 dings on the side. Magically, it's just a plain car. It's that clunk again. You keep talking about that heap. <laughs> well, all right, you see... So, so w- women and cars are very closely related to men, very closely, because they both represent a challenge, and uh, because the challenge of the cars, how are you going to pay for it? And that, in a sense, is the same challenge with the chick, a lot of ways. Oh, well, yeah, you pay in different ways, but man, you'll pay. And uh, so, so there's uh, all kinds of little little ins and outs going on with this thing. <laughs> I you, it gets, uh, And so so you finally settle down, and you realize if you, if you really look at life, and most people just live it, it's amazing how many people are absolutely sure they're right about everything. It's fantastic. I've always been impressed by those people. You know, we get letters. I get letters by, by the hundreds, hundreds from people who are absolutely, totally sure that they are right. Now, uh, I don't envy those people. I really don't. And uh, I don't care what your political belief is. If you are absolutely certain you're totally correct in your political belief or your sexual belief, whatever the belief is that you've got, man, you are missing a lot of life. <laughs> that's all i got to say. And uh, yet I'm amazed at the number of them who are. And that's why doctors always have this funny look. In the eye. Didn't think I'd get back to that, do you? No, because you see, they have seen it. They really see the nitty gritty, the true nitty gritty. <laughs> oh man, I'll tell you. Oh, absolutely. And and one of my friends, for example, is a famous radiologist, and he sees it, boy, in more ways than he can see right through anything. And so he he has these big films of guys' livers. <laughs> Yeah, and, and and whenever he looks at people, I one time said to him, "I said Frank, look at me carefully. Just look at me, Frank. You're my old friend, see? I says Frank, look at me, because I noticed a funny look in the eye. I says, look at me, Frank. I said, oh yeah, yeah, what? I said Frank, do you see me as a black and white plate, some kind of a shade? Shook his head. He says, oh now I see you. <laughs> In other words, I had to shake him out because he was always looking at me he used to see this X-ray in front of him. See, at the, so uh, the doctors are a, a different lot. Now, if you're a doctor out there, I want I want to tell you, friends, listen to this one: Tehran. This is from Iran. An Iranian garbage collector, whose magnificent forty-inch beard was shaved off while he was under anesthesia for a tonsillectomy, is now suing his surgeon for, quote, loss of honor. Bump, ba bump. Would you please give me that big one? No, the big one, the big one, the big one. Now watch. I'll say that again. He is, can you see that moment when the Ali Sahari, Ali Sahari comes out of the ether? Hmm. <gasps> See, when you groan, there is no such thing as a language in groaning. uh, All languages groan the same way. (laughs) He reaches up. His magnificent 40-inch beard is gone. And the swirls of this great vapor of ether swirls around his head. And suddenly, he realizes... (laughs) My beard, why, the beard of the prophet? My beard is gone. My beard made me the most distinguished garbage man in the whole of Kuzestan. Isn't that a sad story? Listen to this. I quote, my beard made me the most distinguished garbage man in the whole of Kuzestan. Ali told the court, this is right now, it's a big case in, in, in Iran. Oh, yes, absolutely, it's important. That's an honor. There is nothing like honor in the Middle East. I mean, it's fantastic. Listen to this. And the loss of my beard is not merely a serious blow to my honor, he added. And listen to this, it even gets sadder. It has also destroyed... My chance of becoming owner of the longest beard in the world. He was growing the longest beard in the world. Friends, listen. I want you to listen to me out there. Hey, you. Come on. Quit pulling around. Quit picking your ear. Listen. Do any of you realize how long it takes to grow a 40-inch beard? you imagine waking up and it's gone? And also with it is his honor. He was the most distinguished garbage man in all of Kuzestan, and now it's gone, swept away. The surgeon argued that Ali's beard would have been an unsanitary complication during the operation. But what is sanitary conditions compared to a man's honor? Think this over. (laughs) Everywhere, trouble, trouble, beards. And we go on. This is from the Chicago Tribune, by the way. Beards have a religious significance in the Muslim world. Mohammed decreed that any male believer should have a beard on his chin at least long enough to grasp with his hand. And you know why that is? It has to do with getting to heaven. Did you know that? That's correct them all. It is a great insult among Muslims for a man's beard to be compared to the sole of a shoe. Ah, that's Lee. See, she knows that. Now, I just tell you, you know, that there's all kinds of things out there under that darkling sun, under those terrible, terrible skies that hang. Would you please uh, give me... Cut one. I'm just going to remind you Just a little sneak in there. Yeah, it is later than you think. Alone amid the cafe's cheer, sad of heart, am I tonight? Dolefully I drink my beer, but no single line I write. There's the wretched rent to pay, yet I glower at pen and ink. Oh, inspire me, muse, I pray. It is later than you think. Hello? There's a pregnant pause. Bravo. Let me write it down. But then suddenly something stays my pen. A tiny voice from out of the dark cries Beware. Beware. It is later than you think. <laughs> Once again I stare into my glass of beer, with the flat bubbles drifting like lotus leaves on the surface of the ancient brew, as a tiny voice calls out, it is later than you think. <speaking in Spanish> But I doo doo ba doo. doo doo I just thought I'd let you know I could play that thing. Hold it there, hold it, hold it there, hold it there, hold it there. And now uh, how about another one of them sounds? Real quick, now. come on, bring it in there. Come on, come on, let's hear it. Come on, just... Oh, that's all right, George. <laughs> He's Fred. Bring up the theme. Hey, listen, I was playing real good there, wasn't I? Oh, listen, that ain't, they, you know... You just can't put talent down... I mean, you can sneer all you want, but uh, you know, friend. I mean, some got it and some ain't. That's just the way it is. That's the way it is. Ah, uh, yes, and as I stare into the drifting, floating lily pads and lotus leaves of the ancient dried foam of the beer of my life, a tiny voice cries from without Never show the bottom of your feet to an Arab, friend. <laughs>